listening to SFP Now. Welcome to another exciting episode of SFP Now, and uh, today we're speaking to a few more authors uh, from the new anthology series which is coming out, which is called Monsters, Myths and Miscreants. And um, we're going to be talking about some of the stories with some of the authors from that book. Um, Max, um, just just to remind us, what, what's this book about? It's the second of a series of books that you started, right, which is anthology books. Yeah, yeah. So this is anthology uh, it's part of the the crossing genres uh, anthology collection. Yes, yeah, sorry. And uh, the the full title of this one is Tales of Monstrosity, Monsters, Myths, and Miscreants. It's a sequel to our Dragons of a Different Tale, um, uh, seventeen unique dragon tales. So in that first anthology, we did a challenge a bunch of authors uh, to write dragon stories, but do a different twist on the genre that they're in, either a completely different genre or a twist on their archetype. They all delivered an amazing job on that. And so then we're like, let's do it again. But this time uh, it's monsters, but not the, like the really common monsters, like your, your typical type of vampire or zombie or werewolf. But the lesser common monsters from folklore myth, like like a chupacabra or, um, uh, or a troll or you know a wide mix of different types of stuff. And they all delivered a great job doing that too so so that's what this anthology is about it's different monsters with a twist and uh, we got 20 stories we also have behind the scenes essays that the authors have written give you a little sneak peek behind the curtain mm-hmm. well well joining us um, on this episode we have um four of the writers that that are involved in this um um so we got uh, we got marissa wolf um, who's wrote, written a story called old favor we're also joined by Sophie DeSensei, um, who's wrote a, book, wrote a story called Goomy Girl. And she also wrote the um, the Tiny Hearts uh, story in Dragons of a Different Tale, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. <laughs> and we're also joined by um, uh, Colton Fisher, who's wrote a story called uh, Hetzpad Blog, A First Timer's Guide to the Big City. And Victoria L. Scott, who's written a story called Versailles. No, no, no. The, the new title is Don't Lose Your Head. All right. Cool. Was that inspired by Highlander? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, it's inspired by the Headless Horseman. It's about a descendant of the Headless Horseman. Mm. And since I'm a Latin teacher, my uh, intermediate title was something in Latin because... Uh, Right. But I've changed it. So now it's in English, which is an improvement, and short, which is even better. That, that could also be a Sleepy Hollow reference as well. With the mm-hmm. from there, so. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I know my films. I don't know my fiction very well, so I didn't do well with English with Having read uh, the story, the original story, you weren't missing much. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm going to go. I've got I've got the log lines written here, and I'm going to go through in in the order that I've got them, if, if that's okay. And we can sort of like maybe read the synopsis out, and you can sort of like tell me a little bit about your story. 
and and um, and we'll take it from there. So the first log line I've got is for An Old Favour by Marissa Wolfe. Um, I'm not sure if I'm enunciating this right. Um, okay, Barus. Is it okay? Okay, yeah. Okay. You got it. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, Barus uh, has been a PI in Bad City for a long time. She's very good at her job and she likes it, mostly because she never has to deal with any one client for more than a few weeks. She sticks to petty stuff, uh, straying partners, blackmail, the occasional missing person, and keeps to herself because she knows very well how crappy other people are. Uh, then an old friend calls in an ancient favour. She has a murder on her hands, and none of her usual sources have en- have seen anything. So, ooh, is this um, this is kind of like um, a detective thing? Yeah, it's a little bit of an urban fantasy noir. Um, so it's a it's a world where everything that could possibly exist in mythology and and folklore exists all at once and has for recorded history. So uh, she's she's been around a, literally a very long time. Um, she's a Gorgon, uh, and uh, she had some monstrous days in her past, but she's totally reformed. Um, and until you know some things come up that might make her reconsider that decision. So, so she's a gob, and so she's kind of like Medusa with the snakes in the head. Yeah, you're exactly snakes right. Yep. Sort of thing. Yep. Um, Which is kind of the noir feel, right? She's got like the hat over the snakes. She's got the sunglasses, the long coat. You know, it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Except when she looks at her suspects, they turn to stone. I think that I had a lot of fun with is that her usual sources are statues. So gorgons uh, who have uh, can talk to stone, basically. So victims that have been turned to stone can eventually learn to speak again, but only to Gorgons. And they only speak in Gorgons. That's right, right? <laughs> so, um, so just think about how many statues there are in a city. Um, so those are her sources when she's solving her uh, her mysteries. Mm-hmm. Do you think we could um, actually interest her in uh, in some of our former prime ministers? I'm sure she could take out some government officials for yeah. sure. <laughs> we, we got about five of them now, you know. <laughs> um, so, um, do, do you do you enjoy uh, detective stories, Marissa? Is that sort of like uh, a genre that you quite like? Oh, I do. I love. I especially love noir stories. Uh, so I love the the detective walking through the mean streets, trying to trying to figure out things people don't want figured out. Um, I love the inevitable bar scene, which I have in the story. Um, I just I love the feel of noir and mystery and the reluctant detective. It just they always make me really happy. Yeah, I mean I I love watching my fair share of Sherlock, and I think one of my favorite urban fantasy uh, characters is Harry Dresden. You know, oh, yeah. yes. Yes, I love the the Dresden books. Um, (laughs) I even enjoyed the last two, um, you know, that that came out last year. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's um, that, you know, so that is a genre genre for me. I kind of like the way you can you can mix that genre uh, with with other things like vampires and ghouls and 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 everything else. You know, it's just uh, it just seems such a natural fit. Yeah, I love genre mishmash. It makes me really happy. So Mm -hmm. it's a good time. Okay, well, the next book, the next log line I've got here is uh, Goomy Girl, uh, which is by Sophia Desensei. Um, and it's described as a quirky Goomy Girl moves in with two 
male human roommates. Um, am I am I kind of getting a vibe of being human with this? Yes, she's more she. Um, so my twist on a ghoul is that they shape shift, so she's kind of like has a human form most of the time. But if she's without warmth, um, she becomes like more ghoulish, and she starts like losing like her clothes, her skin, and then becomes kind of like a skeleton until she vaporizes. So it has like a little bit of that like horror feel to it, but it's mostly like cutesy, you know, rom-com kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. Is, is this kind of a, is, is this kind of a, an indirect sequel to Tiny Hearts or is it, is, is it its own thing? I'd say it's not a sequence, but it is in the same like genre. Like I really like to write like romantic speculative fiction, you know, with a little bit of like comedic feel. So um, it's similar to Tiny Hearts where you have that speculative element, but it's also like very rom-com-y. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, um, I I think I think he actually mentioned it on Twitter. So I, I, I uh, started following you on Twitter a while back, and I think I actually mentioned that uh, Tiny Hearts was one of my favorites from from the uh, Dragons yeah. of Death Tale. Because when when I was reading it, I could see it as a Pixar animation or, or or a Disney sort of thing. Yeah, I love Disney, so that's definitely like a big inspiration for me. So. I definitely wanted to have that like lighthearted feel to it, but still with those speculative elements. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, uh, Doomy Girl sounds like uh, a lighthearted feeling, but with kind of like a dark, sinister twist. Exactly. Whenever she's exposed to cold. Yeah, like I really love sitcoms, so this was inspired by. I was actually watching New Girl which is like um, a sitcom where like a girl goes through a breakup and then she moves in with two guy roommates and it like leads to like all these like comedic conflicts. So I was thinking like, okay, what if my protagonist wasn't just a girl, but she was also a ghoul? Like how would that add into the conflict? Mm -hmm. It sounds like it's going to be fun. Thank you. And another thing with Tiny Hearts, um, a lot of people liked the little dragon friend that she had. So I added in um, a plant, a talking plant called Juniper, who adds some like little sass and conflict as well. And I, I think she's a fun side character. Yeah, that, that that's kind that's the kind of thing going like is a uh, is a fun is a fun song I character. I love the little dragon in Tiny Hearts as well. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, they have to have a best friend. Kind kind of reminded me a little bit of a of a of a PG version of Al from the original Quantum Leap. I had someone compared it to um, Mushu in Milan, which I thought was really cute. I didn't think of that when I was writing it, but when I got that compliment, I was like, "That okay, that's accurate." Mm-hmm. Well, the next uh, story is Hetzpad Blog, a first timer's guide to the big city by Colton Fisher. Um, and the storyline here is a provincial young person journeys to the big city for the first time with dreams of securing a job as a journalist. In the meantime, though, they decide to craft a survival guide for other people, encouraging the city and its inhabitants. Um, sorry, is that encountering the city and its inhabitants for the first time? I'm sorry about that. I messed up the log line there. <laughs> it's a uh, it's Marx's handwriting. It's terrible. <laughs> Yeah, my my typing keyboard. Oh gosh, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, my, my my doctor writes better than this. Said <laughs> better than I would have. <laughs> so, uh, Coden, um, what can you tell us about this story? It sounds like um, it's got a bit of an adventure element to it. Uh, well, I was pretty. I, I was worried when I first submitted the idea to Marks. I was pleased when he gave it the okay because it doesn't focus on one particular type of monster. 
it the premise of the story is a human kid goes to what is basically fantasy New York for the first time. And if you think about how weird it would be for a person, like someone from rural Wisconsin on our world, going to regular New York and encountering all of the craziness that goes on there. The city that they go to in my story has fairies and dragons and goblins and trolls and giants. And it basically, uh, similar to Marissa's story, takes all of these magical creatures, puts them in a city. And the story is about, okay, what's it like moving there when you have no exposure to any of this. Hmm. So do you have troll roads, you know, like in tow roads, troll roads? The style of the story is that it's a series of blog entries by this human kid. And the very first blog entry is them crossing a bridge to get into the city. And the character's whole shtick is that they're trying not to believe the stereotypes that they grew up with. They're trying to give everyone the benefit of the doubt and not assume that monsters are monsters just because that's what her their racist grandma said. And so when they encounter a real toll troll on the bridge, they laugh it off and they don't think it's real because trolls don't stand on bridges and ask for tolls. That's just a myth. And actually really ends up upsetting the toll troll who was there working his day job collecting tolls <laughs> it sounds like a lot of fun um yeah I, i'm quite looking forward to, to to reading these to be honest when i get old old this book um and next and finally by no means least um uh, we have a uh, victoria l scott um and the newly renamed don't lose your head don't lose your um, head yes yes so um, the the logline for that is uh, Theo Corbach, a descendant of the original Headless Horseman, decides to try online dating. Can he find love with someone who will overlook his unique qualities? <laughs> God, it sounds like it sounds like me being being autistic trying to get a date on a dating site. <laughs> Yes, well, as part of my research, I had to actually go to like eHarmony and Match.com and make fake like profiles just to see how it was done. And within mm-hmm. 30 seconds of my doing that and getting rid of them, I already had emails in my inbox. Here are some people in your area who you might be interested in meeting. And I'm like, ah, no, no, yeah. block, 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 block. So, uh, so it was interesting to, to see that briefly, uh, but I'm very glad that it doesn't interest me at all. <laughs> So, you know, the, the, the idea is kind of intriguing. I'm already wondering what, what the headless horseman would get up to on a date. Mm, not much, actually. I mean, he, somebody actually says they want to meet with him and they hit it off, but he's constantly worried that they're going to uh, discover his head comes off. <laughs> so, you know, and then it does. Oh dear. You know, and let's have to figure um, out what to do next. It's, it sounds like um, it could potentially be a little tragic. It could be a little tragic. You'll have to read it to find out. They could play soccer, instant soccer uh, game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we call that football here, by the way, Max. Oh yes, football. Sorry, I've been watching Ted Lasso, so I'm getting aware of your of how it works now. <laughs> yeah, you know, we we played real football here in the UK. Um, moving on. Um, so like, this is a question out to all of you. Um, and um, I guess I'm gonna say like, uh, you, you know, this is so like the typical icebreaker question. I'm going to go on script here uh, and ask you guys, what was it that made you want to become writers and um, and what sort of stories and, and things inspired you? Marissa? Yeah. Um, I mean, I have been a big nerd as long as I can remember. Um, so read every book I could get my hands on. 
Um, and, you know, the, the trips to the library weren't every day, so I'd pick the longest books I could, and those were usually fantasy. Um, and so uh, I've been reading them as long as I can remember, like I said. Um, and I wrote my very first story when I was six, and it was laminated, so you know it was official. Um, and it was about um, a, a girl, her dog, and some Idaho potatoes. I, I genuinely cannot tell you why I was obsessed with Idaho potatoes, but my love for carbs lives on. Um, so I've been a writer ever since. Um, I just, I just love, I love telling stories. I love reading stories. Um, and I love playing with the what if of it. So like with, like, I cannot wait to read Colton's story. Like that idea of like, what if all of these things existed and they all were together and then what would happen? What would life be like? Um, I just, I love playing with that stuff. Um, so mm -hmm. Well, the funny thing is um, I trained as an actor and I think one of the similarities between actors and writers is uh, we both kind of ask that question, what if? Yeah, yeah, it's a good thing. point. And, um, you know, it's, um, and when I when I trained as an actor, I also wrote a play, but, you know, I'm enough said about that. <laughs> it's just all like... Um, That's very cool. Um, but I, I didn't do it. I didn't do the acting eventually. I just decided to do this sort of stuff and just write um because i i uh didn't like being the center of attention <laughs> so, okay so um same question to you sophie what was it made you want to become a writer and what sort of stories and and things inspired you oh gosh um i feel like i've always wanted to be a writer since i knew that was a job um i was always a reader and i've written stories since i can remember as soon as I could learn to write. Um, but I first started writing high fantasy and I wrote a lot of like horror and like dark fantasy. Um, and then it wasn't until a couple years ago that I started writing more of like that lighthearted rom-com fantasy. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was a way better fit for me. So that's, that's what I write now. Like a lot of like rom-coms, but with those still like magical elements weaved through. Yeah. And you've got, um, you've got another story coming out as well in, um, Christmas anthology book that's due yeah. out um well, it's out now actually I think you just released this yes, month it just released this month um that one's bone kindling which is a horror short story and I actually it was a weird story um it was uh, for a competition that I submitted this for, and then they ended up liking it so much that they asked if they could pull me from the competition and publish it instead. So that was really exciting for me. That's awesome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wasn't expecting to write horror or have a horror story published, but it just kind of happened. <laughs> yeah, and that's, I, what's the name of the anthology again? It's um, an anthology of Christmas ghost stories, I think, isn't it? Yes, it's called A Very Ghostly Christmas, and my story is Bone Kindling. Cool. Okay, um, so next um, on, on to you, uh, Colton. What what inspired you to become a writer, and what sort of stories get your juices going? Uh, third verse, same as the first. I've loved reading forever. My mom was an, a literature teacher, so she read to me young. I um, don't remember ever not liking dragons and magic, so I picked those stories up early on too. And as soon as I realized that I could also make stories that other people could read and maybe even make money doing it, I thought that sounds great. That's the best job in the world. So I've been writing for a long time. I, I write also write primarily fantasy, but I've done some young adults things, um, some science fiction stories. I like it all. And generally, if it doesn't exist in our world and I can make it happen in a story, that's my favorite kind of writing. Cool. Yeah, I mean... I think from point of view of a of reader or someone like that that uh, consumes entertainment, um, the more out of the box it is, the more unusual it is, the more mm -hmm. I'm going to like it. 
Like, for example, um, at the moment, we've got that Game of Thrones spin-off. Hate that. Right, that's the... Lord of the Rings thing. Love that. So, yeah. um, even though the even though the Lord of the Rings thing has so like taken quite a bit of creative license and gone away from the uh, from the actual source material a little bit uh, in certain areas, but I don't oh. care because that's for television, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, there's always going to be a little bit of that when you're adopting between mediums. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and uh, finally, uh, Victoria, uh, what, what, what got you into writing and uh, what, what stories get your blood pumping? I really like urban fantasy. I also really like steampunk and, and many of the various uh, punk genres. Um, I just like telling stories. I studied Latin so that I could be really good at grammar and write better. Um, which is much to my my students' chagrin and dismay. One of the things that makes me pretty good at proof in their papers. Um, and I just, you know, I met Jim Butcher sort of at a at a convention. He was talking about um, what he does and how he does it, and I thought I could do that. So I went to grad school to learn how to do that. And now I've got some really awesome friends from grad school, among them Sophia and Colton and Marks. And uh, I just, you know, I write things and submit them. I've got a story coming out in Sarasus Magazine sometime this month which is actually based in London. And, uh, you know, when I'm not sleeping or proofing papers, I'm doing something goofy on the page. Cool. So it was you that um, that yelled yippee when I said, uh, well, yelled something Jim Butcher. Oh, yes. Jim Butcher. Oh, yes. And, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I, 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 um, I, I got into his books after seeing the series on TV. Mm. And the yeah, books the are DVD. so much better. The books are yes, so they much are. better. Yes, they are. Yeah. And I don't think even the comics have done the books justice yet, no. to be honest. I like I like the fact that from the first book to the to the to the books that are happening now, you can see how Dresden changes over time. Mm-hmm. And He's not perfect and he makes mistakes and he gets beaten up and he has to make hard choices. And um, I just think it's, you know, the way Butcher set up the world, the way Butcher set up the characters. Um, I just think they're marvelous. Mm-hmm. And, it, and of course, in the, in the recent book, it's kind of come full circle for him now, hasn't it? Because mm-hmm. he's kind of like back where he started. Yep. Right back in the first book. So yep. I, I like that twist. You know, I quite enjoyed that. It's going to be quite interesting to see. You know, if Jim does do another one, what what he'll do with that? Because it's so like, I think um, he said that that was like a twenty-five or twenty-six book arc. Oh man. So we've got a few more to come to come. Mm-hmm. And his okay, son's well, coming out of a book too. Yeah, that's also urban fantasy. Yep. Like the Dead Hand or something. Yeah, I think so. You would have liked it. DragonCon, Jeff and I were doing book signings for Dra- for Dragons of a Different Tale, and we were at a table next to Jim Butcher. Yep. He's a nice <laughs> guy. Oh, yeah. He seems like a nice guy. Yeah, he mm-hmm. is. So um, I think Victoria's kind of answered this question already in a sense. Um, um, so I'm, I'm going to go back to the beginning again. Um, did you all meet Marks on the um, on the um, is it, what was the the riding course thing that you did, Marks? Yeah, Seton Hill University MFA. Yes, yeah, Master yeah. of Arts. Mm, yeah, writing popular fiction. So, so you all met you all met there. So um, no, yeah. not, not all of us. Not all of us. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so how did you all become involved in in myths, monsters, and uh, miscreants? Or oh, monsters, myths, and miscreants. Sorry, I'm getting the title wrong. Um, 
Marissa, how, how did you get involved in that? Yeah, because I'm the I'm the um, the left out person. I didn't do the cool course. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I met Marks through a podcast called Super Geeked Up um, uh-huh. that I, I get to crash every now and then. And Marks is also a very frequent guest over there. And the two co-hosts were in the Dragon Anthology um, and talked about it. And I love dragons. Um, I I also have been obsessed with dragons since I was very young um, and wrote fan fiction for uh, Anne McCaffrey's Pern for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I was obsessed and I thought that was really great. And I was like, yeah, cool. I mean, you know, if you ever do another one, it'd be really cool to uh, to get in. So I basically just harassed Marks until he let me in, which is definitely a best practice that nobody should do. Um, but no, but I was, I was really excited to be asked to uh, contribute to this one. And I've gotten to read a couple of the other stories and they are freaking phenomenal. So um, I'm so pumped to be in this group. Cool. Um, so same question to you, Sophie. How how did you become involved in this one? Is it was it basing because you was involved in the last one and you did such a brilliant job that you got in, got into this one? Or I mean, I don't know if I did such a brilliant job, but I met Marks like you said through our master's program with Colton and Victoria at Seton Hill, and then I did I wrote tiny hearts for dragons of a different tale so when he said he wanted to do a monster anthology i was super excited and thankful that he allowed me to contribute a story for it yeah well you know i'm thankful for that as well because i'm i kind of i like your work i like what you thank you you know it kind of has a a touch of melancholy to it yeah i hope so i i try to make it lighthearted. i i like those kind of stories the best where they're happy and fun but there's also that underlining um emotion to it whether it's like sad a little bit sad um like in tiny hearts this one's a little bit more horror um but i i think the best stories like have all the emotions in them you know it makes you feel happy and sad and scared all at once you know mm-hmm. yep um the best stories do do that um and colton how did you become involved with, with this anthology uh, i feel like, uh similar to sophia met marks at seton hill university in our graduate program we wrote together for those two and a half years we were in the same graduate class so we got to we communicated really frequently um just and still do still still do made a just yeah. really nice tight-knit writing community I was also in the Dragons of a Different Tale anthology. Delighted about that one, since dragons are among my favorite um, mythical creatures. I was sad that I couldn't have that be my focus in this story, but I did still include a dragon. And Marks invited me. I pitched my idea. He gave it the green light, and here we are. Okay, well, Colton, remind me, which one did you write in the Dragons of a Different Tale? Because we we actually interviewed some of the writers from that last year. Right. Um, I wrote, what was the name? Oh, it was Forgiveness. It was the last story in the book. It was about the girl and her little blue dragon sitting in the Uh, dragon tower. So that's kind of like the Christmas sort of theme. Yeah, it's like that is Die Hard a Christmas movie question, where yes, Christmas was happening. (laughs) And Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Noted. Mm -hmm. So it's a lethal weapon. Nice, nice. <laughs> um, and uh, Victoria, how, how did you become involved? Um, well, I went to Seton Hill, and actually, both Marks and Colton were, and Sophia were critique partners of mine uh, throughout our our grad school time, at one point or another. And um, I had a lot of fun writing my science fiction dragon twist story. Um, and really, you know, when he said, let's do this, it seemed like it was going to be fun. And as soon as he told me what the 
what the topic for the book was, I automatically had a first line and just went from there. Awesome. Um, just going to say, you probably have a, a really fun time critiquing my grammar because my grammar. Oh, I'm. Is, I am is not. Unique. I don't. I am. I'm only a prescriptive grammarian with my students, mm -hmm. not with other people or unless they ask. Yeah, because I, I've got I've got a unique way with grammar. <laughs> I said, if there's a wrong way to do it, I know how. <laughs> It's just your unique variation. Yeah, and you're just, you know, Shakespeare made up words, right? That's <laughs> Yes, he did. Quite Absolutely. a few, actually. Writing in first person, it's fine, because that's just your protagonist. That's how they speak. <laughs> yep, yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of more descriptive stuff. Um, I, I sometimes, because I'm dyslexic, so that kind of holds me back a little bit. Um, but I get, I get, a um, sometimes I get, you know, usage of commas and colons and things can, you know, mixed up, um, as to where's appropriate to use them and where's not appropriate to use them, you know, it's stuff like that. Well, you know, that's probably a good transition to talk about our awards on our Kickstarter, because we actually have some tiers where some of these awesome authors and editors are going to actually could edit someone's short story. That sounds like a ring to thing. Yeah. Well, Sophia has one for query letters, right? Yes. I, I love critiquing query letters. Um, I have a background in marketing. And so I, I like I have so much fun critiquing query letters because of that. Because I think if you have a really strong concept and log line, it's a better chance of catching an agent's attention. So I enjoy doing that. Mm -hmm. so there's, there's an award tier for for that, and then, then Victoria, I can't remember if Colton's editing too or not, but are, are you doing editing too? Yes, yep. I yep. mark myself down for one or two stories. Yep, so Victoria and Colton are both doing editing at a certain uh -huh. tier too. Uh -huh. so, and, we have, and we have a few others too. Cool. So um, so when, when's, the, uh, when's the Kickstarter launching? Is, is it, I think it'll be up, up already now by the time we got this. It's on, live on currently the in the future. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. it, it goes live, it, or it's probably already gone live at the time you hear this, but... It's Monday the twenty fourth around noon. It's going to go live. Uh, well, I can I can answer this question because I've just gone into the future and foreseen it. Because we're releasing the first episode of this two parter on the same day as you're releasing your Kickstarter. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So you can go there, check out the Kickstarter the last thirty days. Lots of cool rewards there. There's also a lot of add ons too. So. You, if there's an award tier, just like, I wish I could get this with this. Probably if you select the award tier and look at the add-ons, you'll probably find some way to mix and match. So another cool one that Colton is involved with, along with a couple other people, is uh, um, Gamer Monster. Uh, ones where they are converting over some of the monsters and characters from the stories into like 5e uh, tabletop role-playing game rules system or, or Pathfinder. And there's also another add-on where you can kind of request a different system too. Um, so if you're a gamer, tabletop role playing game gamer, uh, mm -hmm. that's a that's a cool little little add on too. Glad we can offer that. Listeners like playing Dungeons and Dragons or similar games and want monsters from the book to throw at their players. We can make it. Mm. Yeah, I, I'd love to play Dungeons and Dragons and role playing games, and I have actually played online with uh, Max and Jeff in the past when we demoed um, a Star Trek role-playing game. Yeah, we play-tested that live. Yeah. Um, the trouble was, it was like uh, we started at 3 a.m. in the morning British time and went on to about 6 a.m. in the morning British time. So, <laughs> Yeah, your character's a little delirious. He's kind of like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's kidding. It, yeah, that time difference, right? Time zone difference. Yeah, that time difference. Mm. It's a bitch. <laughs> um, 
the, the, the sad thing is I do know someone that wants to get into Dungeons and Dragons and um, I'm trying to find him an online group that's actually here in the UK so I can get on that way or I'll get, get him to, um, to, to Manchester because it's actually a games workshop place in Manchester where they do it so you know there's different groups online where you can find groups like I think row 20 I think there's ways to like look for like calls for groups like for D&D obviously D&D is a huge one on row 20 and other ones like mm-hmm. that so maybe you should try that well I've just thought of another question for you guys about your stories and and books um, so I'm going to go in in order um so, Marissa, um, you've got, you know, the protagonist, the detective in, in your book. If your book was to be made into a film or an animated film or something, uh, what actor could you see portraying your detective character? Oh, and, and why do you think why do you think, think you'd go with that person? I think after seeing Old Guard, I want Charlize Theron and like everything. Um, I think she would be an amazing cranky old detective um, who could really give the, the sense of like this woman doesn't look ancient, but she's ancient. And also, if you give her any nonsense, she might turn you to stone. I feel like she'd do a really good job with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually thought she made the uh, last two Fast and the Furious films watchable. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've really enjoyed the like action hero Charlize Theron. Like, that's been delightful. Mm-hmm. And Sophia, what, what actor could you see playing, playing your main character in Googie Girl? And what do you think she could bring to it? Um, I think I'd really love to see Margot Robbie do it. She's not quite the age because my protagonist is 18. But um, if she was 18 again, I feel like she would do a really good job, especially because she's done like Harley Quinn, which I really loved. And she's also in the new Barbie movie. Um, So I feel like she'd be able to like balance that speculative rom-com feel between those uh, two genre elements. Mm hmm. Oh, I actually seen Margot Robbie at when she was eighteen. She was in a she was in a she was in an Australian soap that we used to get here in the UK uh, called Neighbours. Got cancelled early this year after having ran constantly on the air thirty seven years. Um, well, that's that was a Margot one of Margot Robbie's first acting jobs was Neighbours. Um, she played a, a character called Donna in it, and she was in it for a couple of years and. And when she left, she just went over to America and became, you know, exploded. Yeah, she's a great actress. <laughs> she, she, she is, you know, she's, she's, she's pretty good in whatever she, you know, puts her hand to, I think. Yeah, she's very good at, like, um, doing different genres as well. Like, I feel like she's very varied. They didn't typecast her, which is good. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed her in that film she did with Will Smith, Focus. Mm-hmm. Though that, that film didn't, didn't really do so well with the critics, um, I quite enjoyed what she brought to the character in that. Yeah. You know. Um. Anyway. Um. So, like, uh, Coden, um, your your young provincial person, who can who can you see playing that role? And and what uh, do you think I had to really think it? about it because I did two things with this protagonist, which is they only ever give a blog name since they're writing on the blog. They're not going to give their real name because that's dangerous on the internet. Uh, but I also never used any pronouns because I, I didn't do it intentionally at first. And then I realized that I was doing it. And I thought, how fun if the reader will, will almost definitely picture someone in their head when they're reading. And I'll just let them picture that person. I don't need to specify who's who, which makes casting really hard. But even though he's getting a little old at this point, probably Elliot Page. It's kind of what I picture. Mm-hmm. Or, or um, Inspector Odo from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, I guess. Not one I know, but I'll nod like I understand. 
<laughs> well, Odell was a shapeshifter. Got it. Mm-hmm. That would be a good yeah, one. So, so kind of, you know, that's what that's what sprung to mind when you said no pronouns, because a shapeshifter can be anything, right? That's true. I mean, <laughs> the character does. I just don't know what they are. <laughs> it sounds sounds like fun. Um, and uh, Victoria, who who can you see playing your headless horseman? Um, it would have to be somebody with some decent rom com kind of uh, chops. And the name that pops in my head is Ryan Reynolds or somebody like Ryan Reynolds who could do the who could do the, you know, nervous about being discovered thing, but also be somebody you'd actually might want to date. Even if his head falls off. Yeah, I think even if his head falls off. Yes. (laughs) Jimmy Stewart would be another option, but unfortunately, he's sort of busy these days. He's he's kind of dead, isn't he? That yeah. Well, he's very busy being dead. It's true. Yeah. So, what about say Tom Hanks? Uh, if he were younger, like, yeah. yeah. If he were I, younger, yeah. I kind of see Tom Hanks as as a as this as a Jimmy Stewart of the last couple of generations. Mm-hmm. He's sort of like mm-hmm. he plays those sort of like same sort of everyman sort of characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I'm quite um, quite impressed with this um, with this last question of mine that I that I came up with. That. Yeah, nice. And so like um, just thinking on my feet here, <laughs> literally. Um, so um, what riders have inspired you um, over the years? Uh, and um, and and um, to make it more interesting, I'm gonna sort of like uh, say it can be novelists, comic book writers, or even screenwriters to sort of like uh, open it up a bit. So, um, Marissa. Yeah, I mean, Anne McCaffrey is my fave. Um, so for sure, her, um, Octavia Butler, Ursula Le Guin, um, Neil Gaiman. I mean, I could list like my favorites forever. I think just in terms of authors who are very thoughtful about their characters, um, I'm very much a character-driven writer. Um, And so there are so many authors out there who are so good at developing memorable characters, Jim Butcher. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I I love watching the development of a character that is allowed to grow over the course of a series. um, And that I find very inspirational because it's kind of the opposite of a lot of sitcoms where the characters have to stay exactly the same until they become parodies of themselves. Um, But it's fun. Sophia mentioned New Girl. I feel like the characters in New Girl were allowed to grow. Um, so I would say the writers of New Girl, I would add to my list of inspirational character developers. Cool. Um, what, what about the likes of uh, of J.R.R. Tolkien, where, you know, I mean, he, he was just like massive world builder. Oh, my gosh. I mean, his world building is amazing. I don't think I will ever be the person who can write like a 3,000, 30,000 word encyclopedia of my world. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's an incredible inspiration. Yeah, it took me six months to get through that trilogy of books back when I was 15. Yeah. Six months. <laughs> so many details, right? You want to absor- absorb everything. I get it. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's, there's so many things that were not included in the films, which, um, which people that have read those books are always going to have that, that the movie audience never will have. You know, if they if they don't read the books, so that's that's quite a nice thing about that. Uh, yeah. Sophia, um, what writers have inspired you? Would you say, um, you know, again, movies, TV, comics, uh, novels. I'm just opening oh. right up there. Well, I read very widely genre wise and I also watch like different many different genres. I feel like it to me, it doesn't really matter what the genre is as long as it's a good story. I'll mm-hmm. enjoy it. 
Um, so I've read anything from like Marissa Meyer, which is young adult, like um, Maggie Steve Otter, who I love, also young adult. Um, I really love Sophie Kinsella, who she writes like very cutesy chiclet. Um, that helped a lot with my like comedic elements, especially in like the romantic field. Um, but I watched like a lot of like anime and like fantasy. Of course, I love Tolkien. He's one of my favorites. Like, I think he's just a genius. And like Marissa said, like, you know, I could never do that, but I admire it so much. So there's a very, very um, inspiration. Uh, Colton, what sort of um, what writers have inspired you? Again, film, comics, books, the, you know. Um, I, I feel like there are sort of two branches where the two stories that always stick with me the most are the ones with the really, really good, expansive worlds and fantasy stories. And to that end, I really loved Christopher Paolini's Aragon series when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And then I really loved George R. R. Martin's uh, Song of Ice and Fire Now. That's still probably my favorite fantasy series, even though I'm mad at him for taking so long. But the other type of story that I like is the one that just really leaves you feeling something, regardless of genre. So Aaron Morgenstern with The Night Circus was that way. The author, someone whose name I can't remember, even though I love her writing. other mediums, Kelsey Beecham was the writer and narrative designer behind a video game called Outer Wilds, which I adored. The narrative design in that video game is incredible. So she was inspiring. Uh, yeah. Oh, quite, quite a lot to go up there. Um, um, Victoria, um, aside from... Aside from Jim Butcher. Jim Butcher. Aside from Jim uh, Butcher. What are the writers? Shakespeare. Shakespeare is an inspiration. Um, some of the poetic work of Virgil, who was ancient Roman, mm-hmm. is inspiring to me. Um, I like the way he sets a scene. I also like Molly Harper, who is a fellow Seton Hill graduate and who uh, said on her blog or something that she was doing her graduate degree at Seton Hill. And I thought, well, why not? Why not? And the fools accepted me. So she's a big inspiration, and it's nice to have had an opportunity to meet her and actually talk to her. Uh, Kevin Hearn and uh, a writer named Craig Craig Schaefer, who writes urban fantasy, is also very inspirational for me. And uh, yeah, so uh, mostly it's urban fantasy for me and then people who are long dead. Mm-hmm. So this question I'm going to throw out here to all of you is, have any of you ever read any of the old Robert E. Howard Conan books. Conan the Barbarian? Yep. No. No. I watched the uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger Conan movies that count. Yes, I've seen, <laughs> yeah. seen those too. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of got into reading a bit Robert E. Howard when the film Conan came out. Mm-hmm. And um, I read read a whole slew of those books. And I know pretty good, but they're very bloody. Yes. <laughs> very Not bloody. Not you know, so I, I can imagine Poland barbarian in a modern context, he'd probably be a biker, mm. <laughs> you know, or, or an American footballer or something. I don't know. <laughs> or, or he might he might be our next prime minister. Oh, well. You never know. Maybe it'll last more than six weeks. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. You know, so like um, uh, trusting Conan. <laughs> I will cut your taxes. <laughs> You all die. <laughs> our enemies will lay in ruins at our feet. They will be vanquished. <laughs> oh, dear me. Um, do any of you have any other projects um, happening that you'd like to quickly talk about, um, aside from um, the, the anthology series? Do you, any of you have any stories or books coming out? Um, start with Marissa. Yes. Um, I have an anthology that just came out a few weeks ago 
uh, called the Valkyries Initiative, which is the kickoff of a new storyline that I get to be in charge of. Um, so Valkyries Initiative is a collection of 15 stories of um, pretty badass female protagonists. And I asked each of the authors, please give me awesome women who are not just the cardboard trope of strong female character. Um, and they all delivered and they are amazing. Some of them are funny. Some of them are sad. Um you know, those are very descriptive adjectives. You're welcome. Uh, but they're very fun urban fantasy uh, shenanigans. Um, and then I also have uh, some science fiction books, uh, military science fiction. I write in the Four Horsemen universe through Chris Kennedy Publishing. Uh, and we just had two come out in the course of four weeks, uh, which is Bananas, uh, World Enders, and The Lion's Pride. And I am really proud of both of those. So. Awesome. The fun stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and Sophia, um, I know you got the, uh, the the Christmas ghost story coming out. And, and, and do you have any anything else? Um, you? Um, not currently. I'm working on um, another young adult novel that I would like to get published. But right now, I really just have Ghoulie Girl and Bone Kindling. Um, and Bone Kindling, I pitch is like a cozy winter tale. Um, about a woman who uses the corpse of her adulterous ex as kindling to brood mold wine. <laughs> so cozy. I love it. As yeah. one does. It's just super it. cozy, you know. Nice Christmas story. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, uh, so instead of jumping bones, it's burning bones. <laughs> yes, yeah. Nice. Um, uh, Colton, do you have anything other than the, anything other than the anthology that you'd like to talk about that's coming out? Oh, um, right, I have some other things that I'm working on, but nothing close enough to announce now. Um, yeah. Sometimes you just got to write and you build up a whole pile of material before it goes out into the world. Yeah, I've got a lot of that. It's all in the, uh, it's all in the uh, writer's bin. <laughs> some on the hard drive, some in the file cabinets. Yeah, and, and some of it lost on other hard drives from computers have long gone, long gone <laughs> and died. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, Victoria, do you do you have anything else coming um, out? I out? have uh, I have a story entitled Cut Cuddle Cycle Alpha. It's coming out in Sarasis magazine uh, sometime this month, and uh, it's a story of a robot dog who helps take care of a woman with dementia. Cool. Sounds like um, sounds like something a robot dog would probably do. Yep, and it was based on the fact that in some Japanese nursing homes, they have dogs that, like stuffed animal dogs that are curled up to look like they're sleeping, and the people's minds are, I guess, so far gone, they can't tell that the dogs aren't real. And so if the dog is in the room with them, they're, they, they're calmer. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I just sort of drift on that. Well, it's, it's almost close. I mean, I kind of like work in a mental health field. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, one of the people that I work with, uh, she, she also works with people with dementia. And she bought these uh, sort of like fake cats mm -hmm. because they couldn't, Same have, thing. they couldn't have real cats in the dementia right. homes. Yeah. So it was this like fake cat that she bought and it meows and purrs mm -hmm. and rolls over mm -hmm. and does all the things that a cat would do, except mm -hmm. it, it looks dead half the time when it's switched off. Mm -hmm. Uh, yes. But it's but you know she she um, bought one of those and um, and 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 it's it's good enough to um, you know it's good enough to be to be there as a therapeutic tool. Yeah. You know so it's um, so so that's that, that's what that kind of story kind of puts me in mind of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyway, you know. Um. Anyway, I just like to thank you all for coming on and spending time with us. Um, it's been it's been brilliant having you all, and um, I'm looking forward to the anthology coming out. 
Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. thanks. For us. Fun to be a part of it. Yeah, this is awesome. awesome.